So, evening. Any questions tonight? Yes, Mara. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the four coverings that Balaram experienced and was relieved of at the end of the Brahma Vimalhornina. Yes, well, I don't remember the four of them um, per se, but the very the kind of the principle there. That's a that's a um, um, there's a progression in the opinion of Sanatan and Jiva Goswamis uh, in in that um, leela of significant events, and it kind of culminates in in um, in Balaram's revelation and insight as to the power of Krishna hmm, to uh, deceive even him um, in the context of his pastimes. Uh, what of course happened is that in the Brahma Mimohan Lila Balaram was not present and when Krishna expanded himself as all the calves and all the coward boys and that and continued his Leela for one year, which is a moment of Brahma's time. It wasn't until about the last uh, few days of the year, maybe four or five days before the end of the year, in which Brahma would be returning hmm, to see what had happened, um, uh, that Balaram became aware that something had happened. And um, he, the incident that that kind of made it stand out for him was seeing uh, the cows run down uh, Govardhan Hill um, at uh, breakneck speed, hightailing it, as they say. Uh, that's where the term comes from. The cows <laughs> tail goes high. And, and as if their, 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 their legs were tied together almost, you know, so closer that together to run faster and so forth. And that's just not no, any way to go down a hill like that. And then the, the coward men who were taking care of the cows ran down, making their way you know, after them. And um, so that was extraordinary. And of course, at the, at the bottom were the calves who were actually manifestations of Krishna. So Balaram, all this was happening per year. He just noticed that it was brought out to him. It was, um, um, in this uh, on this particular day, and then the coward men, of course, were upset with the cows, trying to keep them from the calves because the calves had already been weaned, and and this milk was meant for uh, trade and human consumption and so forth. And so they were upset. But when they got to the bottom, they saw their boys and who were all manifestations of Krishna. So their their hearts melted and so Balaram saw this and then he knew something's going on here. It's very uh, peculiar. And and I, I believe then maybe maybe Bishop Natchakabitak was speaking about different layers of his um, kind of uh, omniscience being covered and coming to the fore. And I'd be honest with you, I don't remember exact details of what he said in terms of the layers, but it's basically something to that effect that it's a progression which his subconscious omniscience had been covered by Krishna's Shakti hmm, for the purpose of his Leela. And he, and this is, um, it's, I want to say that it's um, 
we were speaking about it last night, extraordinary uh, act, uh, expression of majesty and power on the part of Krishna in the Brahma Vimohan Leela to demonstrate to Brahma that uh, that he was not an incarnation of Narayan. Indeed, Narayan was an incarnation of him and all the boys and all the calves turned into Narayans from whom universes were emanating in which there were Brahmas and so forth. So this made Brahma's head spin and so forth. But the fact that the power of Krishna in the context of doing this and bewildering Brahma had also bewildered, in a sense, Balaram is even more ex- extreme given the, the omniscient position of, of Balaram, not only um, being the personality of Godhead who is not an avatar, hmm? he's, uh, in fact, when Krishna does appear as an avatar in the world, he comes with Balarama, so it's kind of the Krishna Balaram avatar. Hmm? So he's very special, just like Krishna is very special in relation to other avatars and manifestations of divinity. And of course, he's keeping a, a, also a watchful eye over Krishna at the behest of uh, of uh, Dishoda and so forth, who have, who have lost track of this, you know, not not had that on his on his radar, so to speak, and then and then gradually starting his omniscience in layers coming 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 to the fore rising up and then realizing and then in the context of of that he um he he expresses the um the dasibhav dasirati that's part of his his constitution that being what's called sankul bhav so his sakiras is what defines him but it's bundled together with with uh, Vatsalya and, and Dasya. So this is an instance in which in Braj he, he um, expresses uh, Dasya Bhav um, at, at the extraordinary, and this is Balram, the extraordinary power of Krishna. And, you know, we, we heard from Krishna Das Kabiraj, we've heard Balram's pretty powerful. His five verses describing him as. Uh, from whom the worlds are coming to the world as is like a woven cloth with its vertical and horizontal threads and and that's uh, the grip so to speak that Balaram has and he's woven into the fabric as he's this presides over the Sandini Shakti you almost can't say enough about Krishna almost couldn't say enough about his power and Krishna's power exceeds his and 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 um and it covered his his omniscience, who's supposed to be again looking out for him and overseeing him and so forth. So it's another way of emphasizing the the main point of tattva in that Brahmavimohanly uh, that Krishna is the fountainhead of all uh, forms of, uh, of divinity, even though he's the younger brother in the context of the lila and so on and so forth. That's the gist of what's going on there. Exactly, I don't recall how, uh, and I, I don't recall it for I think a reason because I when I was writing about it I didn't I didn't go into it because I I wasn't finding Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's explanation or at least the rendering of it I had 
so clear and distinct. And maybe that's yeah. why you're asking about it. So I just decided to just, as I am, kind of describing it, summarizing what were, you know, what was taking place. What else? Oh, I wanted to ask yeah. one more thing about. I was dressing Gordon Kai today, and I remember reading in the letters book that Prabhupada said, "Don't let the. I mean, they shouldn't have bare chest." So I was wondering why, why he said that. Uh, you know, you'd have to ask. Him. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I don't know. Do you, do you, did you look at the letter, or you just? You I remember reading that, and I was always wondering, what does that mean? He always has to have a shirt on, and just make sure he's. We just happened to be looking at the Vanipedia yesterday, and there was a letter written uh, in Honolulu on May 28th. I think it was 68, but it might, I don't know when it was. I don't know the year, but um, and he says that the deity should never go without a shirt, and we were confused about it. I see. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's where it came up. Well, um, uh, I'll say a couple of things about that in general. Um, one of the things I'll say is that that instruction of Prabhupada is not something that, that uh, uh, was necessarily followed or that he even followed. And, and uh, you're, you're agreeing with me. Yeah. yeah. And um, the Krishna Balaram temple, for example, it, it gets pretty hot there, and Vrindavan and, and Krishna and Balaram don't always wear shirts, and Prabhupada didn't stop it, and so forth, hmm? and um, so on. So, um, and the other side of it is, and I, and I think this is kind of where it comes from, um, when, for example, when Prabhupada installed the deities in Los Angeles, hmm, you refer to them as Rukmini and Dwarkadish because it was was a, it was the fanciest building they had, you know, at the time, and there was this headquarters in the West, and it was um, compared to uh, you know some of his own uh, his humble um, places of residence. You know, prior to that, it was it was an old Mason Lodge or something like that, you know. It was, it's actually probably worth millions of dollars now, given where it is, and it's a real estate in terms of Los Angeles, but uh, not when it was purchased. But at any rate, you know, he he referred to it in that way. I should follow up by the other. I mentioned that Prabhupada had named the deities in, uh, in in England, London, Radha London Ishwar. And the point I was making was that uh, that that uh, Prem, as I said is characterized by a sense of he's ours, especially the Brudge Prem. So my response to the query about that seems odd was that Prabhupada wanted the people in London to think he's ours hmm. and get close to him. <laughs> All right, so, so um, Rukmini and Dwarkatish, anyway, he, he uh, looked at that as... Um, um, uh, headquarters and uh, celestial, I guess. But at any rate, um, when he installed the deities, and he, I think he gave some, he definitely gave some lecture on it. And, and as I recall, it was almost some. Um, um, it was like a little like. Um, well, I'll give you an example. When the uh, first six volumes 
of Prabhupada's Bhagavatam translation were published. Before that, we had like paperback chapters of certain chapters that we would uh, read from or give class from. And then uh, there was the Bhagavad Gita and the teachings of Lord Chaitanya, maybe the nectar of devotion, Isopanishad. So anyway, one day, six volumes, the, the first canto in three volumes, the uh, second canto in two volumes, and the first volume of the third canto all came out at once. And they were these hardbound editions, with really high-quality printing from Dainipan in Japan. And and so, you know, they when we've been hearing about the Bhagavatam and seeing chapters of it and so forth, and, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, all these books arrived, and it was like pretty far out, you know, like... And so, uh, not too many devotees knew about it, but um, my friend Ramaswar, he knew about it, he was involved in, in that kind of thing. And and so, he um, he took me in the night before and so it show, showed me the books, you know. They're here, look, you know, let's open a box, you know, another one, another one, There's six boxes, six different books, wow, you know, look at this. The next day was uh, Saturday, I believe, and that was the day that we organized for all the householders to go out on book distribution, so we would have pack their lunches and get the cars ready for them and everything like that. So we decided that not to show them the books in the morning or give them to them to go out with because they just, we figured they'd just get too enamored by the books and sit and read them and they wouldn't, you know, serve, distribute them. So so we decided when they came back at the end of the day, then we'd give them, you know, sets of books, six books, you know, for the devotees and whatnot. So... That was the plan, but um, we got everybody out. So I was on those. I was the last one to go out, and I used to drive out in Prabhupada's car. It was a little white something Toyota station wagon or something. It was the car that he would go in whenever he came to Los Angeles, and so it was given to me to drive to the airport. So I would go to the airport. It was illegal to sell books at the airport at the time. So I would go out in in secular dress, you know, undercover and selling books and so uh you know i had the same you know task uh, or the problem you know that i that we priests and others would have and but i've you know persevered and i was selling the books uh, and rather than reading them but i was so enamored by them and all of these statements about the bhagavatam and their power and it's uh, how it's the heart of Chaitanya mahaprabhu and so on and so whatever was uh, had been said thus far about them. These were all reverberating in my mind and whatnot. And so, I used to sit down next to somebody. You know, hi, where are you, you know, where are you going? You know, and I'd chat for a second, and then I'd say, "Damn, hey, I'll show you something." And I'd pull out a book and give it to him. So, so I was doing that. And when I would give him the Bhagavatam, I was I was thinking, "This is non-different from Krishna." If you keep this in your house, all the gods visit there, you know, and pay their obeisance. All these kind of things are exploding in my head, all these statements. The Bhagavat Mahatma, you know, the, the glorification of the Bhagavat that you find in other texts and whatnot. And so I felt like, should I give it to this guy? <laughs> you know? And uh, so I would, I, would, I would give him the book and then I'd tell him, you know, you got to take care of this. You know, don't take it in the bathroom, I would tell him. <laughs> and... Uh, and you know, and and they just looked at me like I was like <laughs> nuts, you know, kind of. But like, 
must be something in the book. This guy feels like this, you know. And so I sold like 30, you know, 30 of them, which is a lot of books. It was like a, you know, it was the, probably the first day that any, yeah, it was the first day that anybody ever sold Srimad Bhagavatam in English, you know, other than, well, Prabhupada had his original couple of editions he brought with him, you know, from from India, but um, otherwise from the BBT. I, I just remember realizing now it was the first one to ever distribute the Bhag, BBT Bhagavatam. So 30 of them in, in one day. So... I was quite um, um, in another world, so to speak, and you know, you, then you get on the highway 405, you know, to to Venice Boulevard, and all the traffic just was there was no traffic jam. I got to Venice Boulevard, and then you know, it's just block after block. There's stop lights, and every light turned green, just as I got before it, you know. So I felt like I was just being escorted by a chariot, you know, with the Bhagavatams in the back of the car, you know, back to their sacred home, you know, in the temple. So I was just totally in the world. Anyway, the, there's more to the story, but um, well, what happened was I got back and, and, and everybody was looking at the Bhagavatams and Ramasar took one look at me and he just, and he just grabbed the six books and put him in a bag, gave it to me, said, go home, you know, go home. <laughs> so I was living in an apartment across the street. So then I went home and set him up on the altar, offered artique and so forth. So, um, but the point I'm making is that Prabhupada felt like this after establishing Rukmini and Dwarkadish deities and leaving, he was going to be leaving and leaving them in the hands of these people, the devotees, his disciples, and he was a little apprehensive, you know, what, that they would, you know, take care of them. Hmm? And um, and I think that he had that sensibility, you know, to to an extent, especially in the early days. As it turned out, of course, over time, his disciples um, that his his sense about that, the importance of the deity worship and the standards of cleanliness and and um, uh, um, timeliness and 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 whatnot, he really. It really was uh, transferred to his disciples, and so deity worship became a very, um, cent- very central in his mission, and very uh, special, and, and a standard that uh, the Hindu world, uh, you know, throughout would uh, would, would marvel at. Hmm? Um, so. Um, his concerns i guess you know were felt knowingly or unknowingly and and uh and i think they were perhaps relaxed to some extent time as time went on and it 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 it's uh i i think that and he said things like this at, at different times um like maybe don't have tur have them wear turbans yeah. Just crowns, um, because he he again he was concerned that the necessary regard for the deity would be overridden. It would become casual, and they might think, you know, well it's rag bhakti, you know, it's whatever. I mean, we didn't even know the term at the time, but um, he, he had a concern uh, about that. Hmm? Um, and so these were ways, those kind of statements, I think, were were ways in which he, that was being expressed. Um, and 
and uh, and it's true I think really for the most part in the sadhaka day a practitioner's body then there's always an element of of um, reverence especially with regard to archon uh, and uh, sadhaka day is uh, in dasya dasya bhava for Mahaprabhu and so forth. So, um, but of course, as you progress and and, and whatnot, then um, 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 the uh, the kind of things that he said, which were rising out of this kind of concern, can could be dismissed as it's it's something like, um, okay, you're supposed to respect the guru, right? And so he or she may conduct themselves in a particular way to see that that regard is there so that the disciples don't misunderstand. You eat, I eat, he sleeps, I sleep. Why is he sitting up there and I'm sitting down here? You know. So if he can or she can command respect and so forth and sees that they actually have regard and even affection and so forth, then... Guru can relax so many formalities, you know, that um, can be cumbersome. Hmm. Do you follow? Hmm. And and in, if he knows, well, as long as soon as I speak, they'll 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 go back up a little bit, and realize we're not quite the same, you know, or something like that. So then, uh, so otherwise, you know, you have to. If there's not love, you have to have some laws. The guru should always be this. Should should be always bow down every time you see him, and so on and so forth. And it can get old, you know. You can be stumbling over people and stuff. And um, and so you know that there's a there's, we were talking about this the other night. There's a purpose to that, right? So if you see that it's it's being it's it's in place, then such things can relax from the guru's side, not from the other side, right? Um, not from the disciple side, it's from his his his, his or her call, right? So, um, so I I, I think that uh, there are some, we might say, conservative or concerned statements. I mean, I don't know. You know, he was thinking. You know, uh, these guys are wild. They go with. You know. They're hippies, you know. They, it's free love, you know. They go without clothes, you know. Uh, that's where they, they, they're, you know, they're coming from, you know. Some of them, a lot of them, most of them, all of them, you know, you know, more or less. And uh, and uh, and so, uh, he, he, you know, he was, he was, it was, it was pretty interesting because you, he, we, we, a lot of us, you know, were like that, and 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 we would change so radically to be clean all the time you know and uh, and shave your head instead of you know having growing your hair and so forth and clean dress you know every day you know mm-hmm. that was not quite the standard <laughs> that you know was so like different and so he was making us kind of civilizing us in a, in, in a certain sense and and uh, you didn't want to see that our hippie samskars would be, uh, you know, applied or have a, be a factor in in the deity worship, something like that. So I think that's kind, you know, how you can make some sense out of, out of those statements. Does that help? 
Yes, Mar and Marge knows. So. Yeah. And uh, wanted that kind of Lakshmi Narayan mood, so they needed to be dressed a little more formally. Yeah, yeah. He wanted he wanted to worship the deity with uh, with proper regard, reverence, and so forth. And he was he was concerned that a, 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 you know a, a more intimate. Um, Um, idea could be abused and so forth. Okay, what else? Yes? Um, <clears throat> I have a very simple question. Uh, I have an idea of the answer, but I just wanted to hear from you. Um, I was thinking the other day uh, about how, you know, you want to, if we're going to take birth again, at least be born in a family or something and um, you know I was born in a Hindu family and then like you know I ended up finding Gaudiya Vaishnavism and then I have three other siblings and you know one's kind of a Shivaite and the other sticks to Hinduism and the other doesn't really practice at all and you know I was just kind of wondering like how does that really work like you know you think because we, we went through <coughs> similar experiences together and um question was better in my head. Why didn't they all go the same way or something? Yeah, kind of like how, 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 how yeah. Well, you know, the, uh, the karmic uh, um, uh, um, way the karma works is is that is it, um, for, for, for there to be any meaning to the principle of karma, there has to be freedom of will, relatively speaking, and choice. If there's no freedom of choice, there's no there's no meaning to karma. It's interesting because it's often thought, well, karma means there's no there's, there's no will. There's no, <laughs> without will, there's no there is no meaning to karma. It's choices that that, that, that we make, hmm? that we're um, uh, uh, and responsible for right, right, the, the, the repercussions. Hmm? And uh, so, although. Um, in a in a general trajectory, hmm, um, persons let's say of the same family may have similar karmic ties from the past, but every moment is new, and there are opportunities for one to make choices that present themselves, and the past karma and the momentum of that may. Um, Play a strong factor in the choices that we make, because hmm? there's momentum, hmm? right, and some scars and so forth. But um, everything we do is not just because we did something in the past and 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 and, and now we have to do that in 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 this life driven only by the momentum of the past. Hmm? There's kind of, there's momentum that we're creating. All the time as well. So anyway, the point is that uh, that uh, yeah, you have three, uh, three or four uh, brothers and sisters in the same family, Hindu family, but they've gone slightly different directions. Why? Well, there are a lot of choices out there, and um, and uh, you know, they're your brother, they're your sister, and and um, 
and they and that's very relative right so who 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 they you know your brother in this life could have been your enemy in the past life it's possible in this life he gets to be the younger brother and you get to pick on him you know something you know so it's impossible and this is repeatedly taught in the gita and the bhagavatam to sort sort out the intricacies of karma we just accept the fact that because we have awareness in the psychic realm of subtle matter chitta so in the physical realm then that comes out of the psychic realm the gross matter comes out of the psychic matter in our perspective then what corresponds with awareness is consequences so in the physical world there are there are actual goods and bads that are the consequences of our um, awareness that inf- informs our our actions so it's different for everybody um, I had a discussion with a devotee on the internet he um, kind of had a post where he said invoked the fear that if you don't chant, you know, you will fall down into the animal species and like that. So <coughs> then you know, I kind of um, trying to give the perspective, like there are higher motivations, we should aspire for higher motivations than fear to chant. Huh? And uh, he quoted a ver- uh, like a saying that Prabhupada, I heard that many times about this. I don't know in which context Prabhupada said, but he said that um, the difference between you and me is that I fear Maya and and you don't. So um, I was thinking like pr- like what Prabhupada mean because he's a Bhaicharan. He, we don't think of Prabhupada to be fearful of Maya. Like mm-hmm. what he meant, like was it a pedagogy or? Uh, well, I think the example of Prahlad um, illustrates what Prabhupada's talking about, and he had a healthy fear of Maya, and therefore he um, 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 did was not casual in his uh, practice. Hmm? Or other devotees, you could say they have a healthy fear of the power of Maya. They don't underestimate the power of Maya. Um, therefore, they always take shelter of Sadhu Sangha uh, and, and and so forth. So, um, but 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 that doesn't mean. And you, I think you were correct in uh, in your um, advice to him that um, that our motive for chanting. Um, should be fear. Uh, it should be ideally something positive, attaining Krishna, pleasing Krishna. Hmm? For the, I mean, coward boys get together and they chant for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? So that's or the gopis. This is a, kind of the uh, example. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is similarly engaged so um, you know probably may have made statements at times like that and and he could see that well his disciples were casual and and therefore there were casualties Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
in, they didn't have a healthy regard for the power of material nature and didn't fortify themselves, therefore, in their practice with good association in a favorable environment and so forth. Hmm? And Prabhupada was always sure to do that, to keep himself in a favorable environment. And then when he first came to America, he brought deities of Krishna with him, didn't he? And little Radha and Krishna deities and mm-hmm. so forth. And so he's bringing his environment with him. So, um, all well and good, but I, but that, but his answer to your question, as if to say, well, the difference between you and me is that I'm afraid of Maya and you're not. Uh, um, it's not that because you tell somebody that this fear-based motive is not the highest motive for serving, that therefore that means that you're not a, don't have a healthy uh, um, understanding of the power of material nature. And you you know it well, but there are other motivations for for chanting that are more in line with um, that are more powerful, more compelling. Hmm? It'll attract Krishna's attention more readily, which will give you more more protection. So if you want protection from Maya, you have to bring in the all powerful person into in, in, in into your life. So I'm something like that, and you know. Prabhupada was like um, breaking new ground, you know, with people, mm-hmm. and uh, he was as concerned for to get them to participate for any motivation out of, out of healthy fear, out of out of a pro- idea of a prospect, and or you know, out of duty, mm-hmm. ultimately out of out of love. So. Um, Uh, but yeah, I think you're you're right. I'm, I'm chanting because I don't want to take birth as a, as an as an animal. Um, it's uh, it's kind of odd, actually. Uh, uh, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a motivation. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of devotees may think similarly. I don't want to take birth in another womb. And, and, uh, um, uh, and that uh, you know, it's fair to explain that there are different motives for serving God. There's fear. Hmm? There's um, I uh, hmm? prospect of that I might get something from it. You know, materially speaking. There's out of duty, it should be done, and out of love. So it's worth pointing it out to someone that you know, this is okay. But is what you're saying. But there are other motivations and, and the further you go up the lower ones are taken care of and included in that hmm. you follow mm-hmm. yeah Mitra's, uh had a question about he was he's going to go to Rathiatra and he wanted to know what his mood should be upon you know on the, what would be the mood he should have <laughs> well um I would um, one time um, I was talking with uh, Ramaswar and and he said to me, and, you know, he was a big organizer of Rathiatra in Los Angeles, and and um, and so one day he said to me, he said, "This is the one day of the year that we know exactly what's on the deity's mind." <laughs> <laughs> 
I really like that. (laughs) So I think that he should look into that. What's actually on Jagannath's mind? What is Jagannath doing there? What the heck is he doing there? Uh, And what are the ropes that are pulling him? And uh, it's a very, very um, internal, interestingly enough, you couldn't find a more internal festival in Gaudi Vaishnavism than Rathayatra, which most devotees see as a as a as a means to um, uh, for external uh, dissemination. Hmm? It and and probably use it in that way too, you know, in a, in, 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 a, in a sense. But he had an internal understanding of it. It was really driving him. You know, one time he called me to his room. I don't know, I think it was outside, maybe chanting Japa on the same floor where he had his room. And he, I don't know, he called me in there. And I, so he, and he told me, he said, he said, um, when he just I started talking to me. He said, when I was a boy, then I uh, always wanted to go to Jagannath Puri to, for the Ratha Yatra, take the train there. Hmm. And I wanted a, you know, a, a Rathiatra card of my own as a child, like a, a toy, and like a toy car, you know, a toy tank, you know, or a, a toy doll or whatever it is, dollhouse. So he wanted a, a Rathiatra card. So he said, and my, and then my father got me one. And so I performed Rathiatra in my neighborhood. And then he said, and everybody thought it was play, but then he opened his eyes real wide. And he said, but it was real. <laughs> he said, and now I'm doing like this all over the world. So I think despite the fact that Prabhupada used that as a vehicle for um, exposing the common people to Krishna consciousness, which of course it does, hmm? um, it's a huge festival in India still, uh, annually in Jagannath Puri, millions of people come with probably different conceptions. In spite of employing it in that way, he himself uh, was anchored in a very internal understanding of what that was about. And you can't find, as I said, a more internal festival in Gaudi Vaishnavism than Rathiatra. Um, and so the, the, the truth of this and, and, and the um, implications of that, um, its internal feature, of course, are, are played out over a couple of chapters in Chaitanya Charitamrita in the Madhya Leela. And, uh, you know, this is the meeting, and we, we quoted a, a prime, probably the most important verse from that meeting of Krishna and the gopis at Kurukshetra a couple of times in our talks recently. Krishna says to the gopis, you know, that um, I'm, I'm purchased by you. I may be here physically, but wherever I, you are is where my heart is and, and so forth. It's very powerful. Um, and Mahaprabhu is, of course, reliving this in the mood of Radha and Jagannath is 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 uh, um, startled by the dancing of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in, in the Ratha Yatra. Krishna is startled by the 
Krishna in Chaitanya Charitamrita through the pen of Krishna says, Ami Shishu Guru Nata. Hmm? Uh, I am the Shisha, and uh, uh, my and Radha, who is in the school of art and dance, Nota, is my guru. Hmm? Her prem drives me mad, hmm? and so he here Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is in the bhava of Radha and dancing, and Chaitanya Ravana's eyes are wide open and they have no eyelids you know there's no there's no blinking he's there looking sitting there all the time looking hmm. what's he looking for and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes after so many years and then he sees that's what I'm looking for hmm. so this is a whole this whole drama this is not being played out it's like on the, on the streets hmm. it's, it's incredible and who knows it? You know what's what's really going on there, <laughs> and, and so forth. And Mahaprabhu was singing a, a cinema song, a song from like a cinema song. And what's the internal meaning of it? That's, and Rupa Goswami could understand and and wrote his own verses describing what Mahaprabhu was feeling. And Mahaprabhu was embarrassed to see those verses that he understood what I was about, what Rathayatra was about. Hmm. So you know, I I had an of course that's just me, but I had a, an idea that that it, Prabhupada started these Rathayatras and they were very much outreach and dissemination and so forth. But at the same time, in the beginning, um, I remember the uh, I think it was the first Rathayatra I went to because the Rathayatras were in San Francisco and I was. Um, I joined in Santa Cruz, but after a few months, we went to Los Angeles and Prabhupada asked me to stay there. So um, then we would take a bus up to Rathayatra in San Francisco. Not everybody got to go every year, but I don't know what the first year was. I went maybe 1972 or 73 or something like that. And um, what the festival consisted of was the, the procession with Kirtan, and and um, um, the first one I went to, uh, Prabhupada wasn't there for, I don't think. And then we would uh, you know, arrive at the actual festival site in Golden Gate Park, which is a place of gathering and a lot of young people there and whatnot. And then the, there was a setup for distributing prasadam, and the deities would be on the stage. And we just did kirtan all day long. I mean, for like eight hours. That's what it was. And, and it wasn't like, you know, trying to, attract people we were just like doing our thing you know <laughs> in the park I mean it, it was uh, that's what was going on it wasn't a, wasn't creating all types of um, whatever putting a band on stage you know entertainment. entertainment and so forth it wasn't like that and at a certain point it it, it, it did change hmm and I think uh, that change really came after Prabhupada's uh, departure. Hmm. Not that he didn't want them to be vehicles for outreach, but the best outreach results from reaching inward. Hmm. The further inward you go, you know, the deeper, the farther outward, the deeper inward you go, the farther outward you can you can go with your trajectory of sharing and so forth. So. Um, I personally feel, and that's just me, that something was was lost a little bit along the way, 
with the preoccupation of dissemination and so forth. And so, um, um, I had this idea <laughs> to, because there were Rathiatras going on all over the United States, to take the San Francisco Rathiatra, which was the original Rathiatra, and promote it to all the devotees as this Rathiatra is going to be particularly for devotees. It's going to be focused on devotees becoming absorbed in the inner meaning of the Rathiatra. Everybody has to wear a dhoti and a sari and tilak and and just like you just came from Bengal to be with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because I had been um, I had been holding festivals at Odaria for Rathiatra for like a week and I would lecture in the morning and the evening about Rathiatra the internal meaning of it and then we would go down to San Francisco where the Iskand Temple had the Rathiatra and they kind of let me come for a couple of years. Um, and it was weird. I mean, it was weird. And there were devotees on roller skates there and stuff, and you know, like in all states of like what, you know. And um, I, I, I personally felt, and I think the devotees with me felt like this was supposed to be the high point. Now we're going there, and we were all charged up with what it was all about, and it didn't quite. You know, you had to really try hard, you know, you know, to to enter into it because it, the environment was not, you know, really supportive of that. So that's where I got the idea. Why don't we make, you know, hey, this this Rathiatra just for this, and then devotees can come, regardless of going to other Rathiatras in their local area, they can come like we used to do, from all over the country, just to the one in Rathiatra in San Francisco, to be an internal Rathiatra. So everybody would be like. Like they were coming from Bengal to be with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. And we'd choose the Kirtan leaders and so forth. And then on the stage there'd be Kirtan and there'd be some explanation, you know, of, or, you know, just like what we were doing in my lecture. Those giving different sannyasis giving lectures just go on all day and prasadam and just a real internal festival. That was my idea. One, let's say, one around the yadra like that. But, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't. Uh, I thought it was, I liked it. <laughs> uh, but, um, well, what happened was, not that I had any power to, you know, influence, but I did mention it to, I think, to Baisheshika, who was coming on the scene in San Francisco there at that, at that time, just about. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think he was realized what, 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 you know, what it would take to do something like that. You know, it's like people are so resistant and, and whatnot. And then, um, and then uh, Agni Day was leading the kirtan this one year, and and um, and um, we got to the end, and something happened. A shoe lace came untied, or something like that. And so he he had stumbled, and, he, and so he handed me the microphone. And so I started, you know, continue the chanting. And then the Iskon, um leader was. Um, uh, escorted a, a policeman over to and, and took the microphone from me. So, so I stopped going. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. That's when I stopped stopped going. And you know, it's it's, it's such an inclusive thing as well. It's this beautiful thing because it's so internal, but it's so inclusive. All kinds of. I mean, Jagannath is like that. 
he's super in inclusive. He's the Lord of the universe. People worship him with all different conceptions. Even the Buddhists, tantric Buddhists, worship Jagannath. But then he's so internal too. If you follow through the the eyes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it's you know I mean it, it should be a time where like okay you know all the boundaries are dropped down. This is this Jagannath came out of his temple for God's sake you know to give himself to whomever. It's possible a common person could you know get some special grace from Jagannath or Balaram and uh, you know and, and you know it's that day in Puri that people who otherwise couldn't offer food to Jagannath can make food and bring it out and set it down on the road ahead of the cart and make an offering. Hmm? You know, Brahmins are not and so forth. He's coming out for everybody, so to speak. And of course, what's driving him out is this internal desire and it represents Krishna going to Kurukshetra and in pursuit of the, uh, the, the ideal of Vrindavan and so forth and meeting again with the, with the, with, with the gopis. So it's it's hardly a you know a, a time for sectarian concerns and checking people's bags at the door to make sure they're not carrying any contraband like other commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita or something you know to share you know or anything like that I mean it's just it's, uh, it's so <laughs> inappropriate uh, so anyway. So, you know, I'm not a tantric Buddhist. I don't know, but I know there's a history of them seeing him as, you know, how how they looked at him. They have some idea of a subtle subtle realm, you know, what how they placed him there. I'm I'm not sure. Hmm. If he's all inclusive and he's Lord of the Universe, how come you can only be Indian to go into the temple? Why couldn't? Um, yeah, that's a good argument to make because the the people who run the temple don't understand that. <laughs> so that, that that's a particular sect of uh, they are not Vaishnavas that run the temple. They are they're smart Brahmins from the Advaita uh, lineage actually, and um, and uh, I think in. Uh, I think, well, to be fair, I think there's probably an idea that certain people shouldn't come in the temple because they wouldn't conduct themselves properly and um, and, and so forth. And this is and, and the Muslims, you know, they they occupied India and they broke deities and broke down temples. And so Hindus have that experience of non-Hindus coming into their temples and defiling them on a large scale. Hmm? The atrocities that the the the, the um, moguls and the your uh, the uh, uh, played out on India are of a of a of a holocaustal you know scale. Hmm. Actually, it's one of those things like you know, it doesn't get enough uh, attention. Hmm. People massacred, killed, and and. Uh, and, and and again, they they're you know there's that's why the deities of Vrindavan were were, were um, smuggled to Jaipur because the Mughals were invading Vrindavan and, and that's what they what was the one Aurangzeb hmm. 
he's considered like you know expansion of Kamsa or something I don't know mm-hmm. and uh, so they have that so I think that you know they became a little protective to be fair and when they were the Hindu kings then you know they wouldn't let the invaders come into the temple or and so they were I think they had a, a you know a fair concern like that but then you know it gets distorted and and it turns into something that uh, is uh, uh, that is in conflict with the actual um, origination of the of the of the idea. Um, Smartness in particular, of course, they think you have to be born as a Brahmin, and as a, a Brahmin, you have to take sannyas in order to get mukti. So the common people are like a couple lifetimes away from getting close to God anyway, and they've got a monopoly on the worship and. As a result, that's their occupation. So any religious duties that anybody wants to perform in their life got to come to the Brahmins. And that's fair enough, and that's how that's that's the Varnashram how it works. But you know, Kali Yuga is characterized by abuse of the Brahmanical order, hmm. and so um, we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then, obviously. Um, so not only a spiritual reformer but a but a social reformer as well taking the outcast muslim birth haridas and making him his namacharya taking the the ostracized uh, from the hindu community rupa sanatan making them his his leading persons to write books and preach and he's pointed to them as the example of of sadhana sadhakas and so forth um uh, but you know he he only pushed the envelope as far as as he could hmm, in the time and so forth. And, uh, Haridas was not allowed in the temple, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to him every day hmm, and gave darshan to him. And so going forward, in more recent times, there have been uh, discussions like that of letting other. I don't know whatever if anything ever came of it. That they could could go. Okay. So I think it's you know like I say if if the genesis is it's a reaction to the invaders, then you know it, it's an overreaction that needs to you know come back a little bit. Reaction is is not a solution to a problem. It's an interim you know. It's a reaction to a problem, <laughs> you know, to come back from there to the, to the center, so to speak. But um, it's been going on for for centuries. So, but that that's also there in other temples, and 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 they and they have changed that and so forth. Hmm. All right, well, that's our last talk for this visit. It's been very nice to. And uh, the north with all of you, and please carry on with enthusiasm in the service of Radhamadava and your deities. Sargrahi ki jai, Radhamadava ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.